Could it be that up in heaven, God is sitting on his throne, anticipating another sinner, will soon become his own. Years of wasted living and years of toil and strife are just about to be over as he receives the gift of life. Go sound the horn, strike up the choir. A sinner is saved, saved from the fire. No more in darkness, he received my son. All heavens rejoicing, that's the value of one. The Holy Spirit has been working to soften up a heart. All he needs is a willing servant to simply do his part. Can you imagine up in heaven the joy there'll be that day? When a sinner bows his head to pray, can't you hear the Father say, Go sound the horn, strike up the choir. A sinner is saved, saved from the fire. No more in darkness, he received my son. Heavens rejoicing, that's the value of one. Start construction on his mansion there on Hallelujah Street. He doesn't know yet what is waiting when the Savior he will meet. He'll meet. Sound the horn, strike up the choir. A sinner is saved, saved from the fire. No more in darkness, he received my son. All heavens rejoicing, that's the value of one. All heavens rejoicing, that's the value of one. All right. <clears throat> well, tonight we're going to do something a little bit different, and... Um, I hope it's not a problem. I don't think it will be, but we have uh, we had our soul winning training, and unfortunately, we got a day where the snow came down, and <clears throat> just it was—it actually wasn't so much snow; it was just a solid sheet of ice out on our parking lot, and it it kept us from addressing a very important point when it comes to our soul winning training. And so I thought, you know what, this is a topic that most people, most of you on Wednesday night if not all of you, probably would be interested in. And so I'm going to go ahead and tell you the topic tonight, <clears throat> and you, uh, I think you'll go, well, that's a good topic. I mean, 
I don't hear that much, but I think it'd be all right. How to lead a child to Christ. We lead everybody else to the Lord, right? We need to learn how to lead children to Christ. <clears throat> so I have some, uh, I just have some thoughts and some ideas I want to share with you so that we do this and we do this properly because, let's be honest, uh, in many cases, it kind of freaks everybody out. So I want to begin in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, beginning verse 14. You're going to see I've already got it up there, but you're welcome to turn to it if you like. But the Bible says, and they brought young children to him, that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Now there can be no doubt concerning Christ's attitude toward children. You don't have to read the Bible too awfully long to get the idea that he doesn't just love the big people, he loves the little people too. And uh, he points out that <clears throat> they should be encouraged to approach him. And that anyone who will ever be in the kingdom of God is going to have to come to him as a child would. And so we see this in the scriptures and we recognize the fact that God's interested in children. And if he's interested in children, well, we ought to be as well. Notice it says uh, there's a Barna study and it shows what age folks are being saved. And we look at that Barna study and we realize that 43% are saved before reaching the age of 13. That's amazing, isn't it? 64% are saved before their 18th birthday. 13% or one out of eight made their profession of faith while 18 to 21. That's really kind of amazing, isn't it? That's something else. Now notice, when that's all said and done, that means then that less than 25% of people are saved after reaching the age of 21. And so we realize that 77% of those that will be saved are saved before their 21st birthday. That's a lot of people when you talk about those that come to Christ. That's an alarming figure when you consider that those that reach the age of 22 have a very small percentage or small window of being saved then in comparison to those under 21. <clears throat> so this fact emphasizes the need to reach souls early then, right? I mean, it's obvious we ought to reach them early, as early as we possibly can, that is. It also points out that the faith, uh, that the faith is being perpetuated by ministries that reach young people or youth. That's how the faith is being perpetuated, carried on. If, if we're waiting till they're adults to reach them, <clears throat> if we're waiting till after they're 21 years of age to go after them, then we are really missing out on the majority of those who can come to Christ and would come to Christ. It's important that we recognize the need to minister to children and to even give opportunity to be saved. <clears throat> R.A. Torrey said it this way, It's almost the easiest thing in the world to lead a child from 5 to 10 years of age to a definite acceptance of Christ. The younger the, child, uh, the younger the children are when you seek to lead them to make an actual acceptance of Christ, the easier the work will be and the more satisfactory. Listen, I know we have to be extremely careful as we deal with youngsters. There's no doubt about that. 
But there's also something to be said about raising them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. There's something to be said about laying a good, solid, firm foundation for them early on so that early on in their life they can come to Jesus Christ as their Savior. It's not uh, that unusual to talk to somebody that has made a profession of faith when they were a child that's in church today. If you would go around the room and say, you know, when were you first exposed to Christ and when did you first believe you accepted Christ, you'd be amazed how young people were when they were exposed and how quickly they were when they were, they, or how young they were when they got saved. <clears throat> so with that being said, we're going to take just a few moments tonight and we're going to consider this leading a child to Christ, all right? And so let's have a quick word of prayer. Father, we ask, Lord, you'd bless us. Be with us tonight. Lord, may you encourage us. And we just share these simple thoughts that will help people, that will, I know they're encouragement to me as we deal with children. We love you. We thank you. We just want to be effective. We don't want to give false hope, but we do want to give the gospel. And Lord, help us to be faithful in sharing it. And Lord, being very careful to ensure that our children are understanding it. We love you, we thank you, in Christ's name, amen. So talking to a child about becoming a Christian or a child of God, let's face it, it strikes fear in the hearts of most people. Uh, You know, folks uh, really get a little nervous about that, and understandably so. First of all, will they understand what we're talking about? That's a question that often comes up, right? Are they going to understand what I'm talking about? Really understand it. If they make a decision, how will I know if it's, Genuine, real. Well, that's, a, that's a good question. What if I say something wrong? And the truth is, is that many of us uh, might even say, well, I don't want to talk to them about the gospel maybe, or I'm fearful that they may make a profession of faith, but then they aren't even saved, and I don't want to give them a false sense of hope. And boy, I tell you what, it, that kind of paralyzes us sometimes when it comes to the things of, uh, of, of, of this thing of sharing the gospel with children. But while these concerns definitely are reasonable, valid, we need to trust the work of the Holy Spirit. We've got to remember always that we don't save anybody. He's the Savior. He's the one that, uh, Jesus is the Savior, and the Holy Spirit's the one that draws them to Him and ultimately regenerates. And so we've got to be careful that we don't put too much on our own shoulders. <clears throat> Man. Sorry, I keep coughing tonight. Another thing to remember is this, and I think it's important. There's only one way to heaven. Now you say, what makes that important, or why is that important? Well, because there's not one way for adults and another way for kids. Because a lot of times as soul winners, we get the idea somehow that we're going to have to change everything to lead a child to Christ. Oh man, it's totally different dealing with this kid. You know how it is? You you ever see a a guy around a baby for the first time in his life? How about a new mom? Worried that every little thing, oh, did I do that right? Did I, uh, you, know, you know how it is, that first baby? And then after about the second or third, you're like, whatever, they'll be fine. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Okay, well, that's, that's kind of how it is. We've got that kind of first mentality when it comes to kids. It's like, oh, man, I don't want to mess up with this kid. If I lead them to the Lord and they don't know what, they're gonna, they're, they, don't know what they did, and then I'll feel like I'm responsible for them going to hell one day, and it, oh, no, this is going to be terrible. Well, they get say, the same way adults do. 
You don't have to learn a new gospel or a new method. You don't have to change the whole program, so to speak. You just share the truth. You just go to the Word of God and you take them through. Like we work on the Romans Road. Well, they'll understand that. If they're able to comprehend the gospel, well, they're able to comprehend the gospel. You don't have to, as we used to say, dumb it down for kids so much. If they can't understand it, they can't understand it. It's not complicated, the gospel. It's simple. It's simple enough for me. It's simple enough for them. And God just wants us to realize there's only one way. And the one way is through Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the only way to heaven. He's the way, the truth, and the life, the Bible says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So let's get to it then. Let's see what we can learn. All right, first of all, share with children individually. Um, Talking with a child one-on-one gives you insight into what they're really thinking and what they're really feeling. It also reinforces the fact that the decision that they're making is a very personal decision. It's a very important decision. It's important enough that you're giving them your time. Now, I know in the past, many times, people feel obligated and responsible. Well, I'm going to have to deal with all eight of these kids at once. I ain't nobody else around here. You know what? I'd rather you deal with them one-on-one and try to find somebody to help you out than to take eight of them together in a corner and go, okay, by the way, how many of you, you you know, you guys know you're sinners? And one kid goes, yeah. And everybody goes, yeah. Now, you you, you came out of class because you want to get saved, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, we need to deal with them individually as much as possible there may be exceptions to that rule but it ought to be the exception of the rule and if it's something as a teacher you're getting uh you're running into problems with all the time you need to address that with leadership and you need to get that handled because it's best if we deal with them as individuals not only does it again prove to them how important that decision is but it certainly reinforces how personal it is too so with a group again Everybody answers for one another, but when you're one-on-one, it's just you and them and them and you and the Holy Spirit. So use open-ended questions. This is probably the main thing when you deal with children, really. In the long run, this is probably key. We always worry that somehow we're going to get a child that's not prepared and ready. You know, well, what if I, they're not really, the Holy Spirit's not working. Well, you're going to have to be more discerning with a child than you are with an adult, no doubt about it. But you, gotta, you, you need to ask the right questions. <clears throat> For instance, don't ask them, uh, you know, do you need to be, you know, uh, did you come out here to get saved? That's a yes or no. I wouldn't do that. You know, it'd be more along the lines of, how's come you, you came out of class today? You know, I want to know. You know how many times, even in VBS, I've asked a child that, uh, so why did you leave class today? Why did you come out of class just now? Oh, because I wanted to to go to the bathroom. Oh. Now, you know that the teacher was trying to be as clear as they possibly could be about if you're, you know, you feel you you need Christ or that blah, 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 come on out of class now. Okay, you kids, okay, come on over here. And, And then you get out there, why are you, you know, why'd you feel the need to step out of class? I need to use the restroom. Or, I just want to come pray for my mom. Oh, okay. That's wonderful. I'm so glad you did. No, I don't get upset with any kid. How dare you? You didn't listen to your teacher. You get back in there. I don't care if you pee your pants. 
wouldn't do that to the kids. Man, we're glad they came out. They, they came out, we got a chance now to pray with them. We got a chance to encourage them. Even if they did come out to use the restroom, hey, listen, you good for just one more minute? <laughs> I mean, you okay right this moment? Because if you are, let me have a word of prayer with you. Maybe one day you'll come out of the classroom and you'll, you'll have another reason for coming out and maybe I'll get to talk to you again sometime. Let's pray real quick. Oh, thank you for Johnny. We're so glad he's in church today. Man, it's just a blessing to see him here. Now, Lord, you be with him and help him have a great time in church today as he, as he honors you and as he, he worships you, Lord Jesus. Amen. He runs to the bathroom, runs back to class, and everybody's happy. <clears throat> Questions like this. I mean... They got to be able to put what they believe or what they feel in the in the answers. You got to be able to get it out of them. So you don't ask them yes and no's. Who's Jesus? Who is Jesus? That's a good question, right? Uh, um, he he died on the cross. Well, are you telling me or are you asking me? I'm just saying, understand, we're trying to find out what they really know. So we're not going to give them a yes and no. It's too easy. they got a 50-50 chance, right? <clears throat> Sometimes they're pretty good at reading our faces, too. Uh, so you, you came out of here because you know you need to get saved? And they're like, yes? You, you know what I mean? Kids are they're smart, you know? So what is sin? What is sin? What, what is sin? Well, I'll tell you what, that gets a kid thinking, right? That gets an adult thinking. See, you want them to think and they have to respond. If they can't answer some basic, simple questions, then they're probably not ready to be saved yet. But what a, you know, why is sin such a big deal? Why is sin a big deal? Now, can you, hold on, do you notice what I'm doing in the meantime? Now, don't go like, what's in it? Don't, don't you do that, you're looking at them. But you know what I'm not doing? I'm not going to answer for them. What makes someone a Christian? Wow, that's pretty deep, huh? I mean, we knock on doors... People say, if you died today, are you 100% sure we'd spend eternity? Uh, yeah. Well, could I ask you another question? Because that is a wonderful answer. How do you know that for sure? What is it about you and what you understand about the Word of God that makes you so confident that you're going to go to heaven? You know what they usually can't answer? What makes someone a Christian? They don't have the answer to that. And you're thinking then they're not a Christian then. Maybe they just figure if you're good enough, you get to heaven, right? I'm a good person, so obviously good people go to heaven. But that's not the gospel, right? That's not what makes us Christians. And so we want our children to be able to respond to us in certain things. That, you know, what's repentance? I don't think I'd ask that. I'm not going to ask you that right now. Spell it out. Give me at least two verses. You're like, huh? Right, you know? So we got to be wise in what we're asking, though, too, you know? Define the Trinity. I'm waiting, young man. 
I haven't learned to tie my shoes yet, sir. Uh, that's okay. You can't get saved then. You know, it's over. You know what I'm getting at. But why do you want to become a Christian? That's a good question. <clears throat> Again, these are questions that would require more than yes or no answers. And there are other questions that can be asked as well. Like I said, from the moment they come to you, well, how, why did you feel you had to leave class and come out of class today? Why did you come to me today? I mean, you want them to tell you why they're there. I'm just saying, don't just ask yes and no questions. Don't lead them along. Make them answer a couple simple questions before you get too deep into the gospel or before you start telling them why they're there. <clears throat> Allow the child time to think and even respond. Remember I said, well, look at what I'm doing. Well, what I was doing is giving you an opportunity to think. Now, it's not unusual for children, for children to take up maybe to 30 seconds or even a minute to think about something. Honestly, you ask them a question, they're going, like that kid, look at him. He's like, huh? He's thinking. It takes a while. Sometimes that mind's got to get moving a little bit. You know what I mean? And it's okay. That's all right. But it may take them a while to answer that. Give them time to respond. And like I said, avoid answering for them. Don't put words in their mouth. Let them tell you what the answer is. <clears throat> if a certain amount of time passes and it's just like, I don't know if this is, I, I don't know, maybe they, they're struggling maybe with the thought. They're struggling with that concept. Maybe they're not quite getting it. Reword your question a little differently. That may help them, but don't necessarily give them the answer and then go, well, they got that one right, let's move on. You know, let them kind of help you with that, okay? Or help them with that, but don't give it to them. Now, <clears throat> Avoid using terminology that may confuse them. And again, um, <clears throat> I mean, what does a child think when we talk about being lost? They think about maybe being in the woods, right? And, or at the grocery store. And all of a sudden, they couldn't see mom anymore, and they felt lost, and they're running around, Mommy, Mommy, where are you? That's, that's probably more along the lines of what they might think, Right? We use terms like, you know, saved. They're thinking about the little boy who was in the pool this last summer and he was flailing for water and somebody grabbed him up and carried him off to shore and he was okay. He got saved. What comes to mind when you ask them if they'd like to ask Jesus into their heart? Well, they actually believe in the literal, oh, Jesus is moving into my heart? How's he going to fit? Kind of like Nicodemus, you know, you must be, what, born again? You kidding me? I'm going to have to go through that again? Or actually worse than that, I'm going to put somebody through it? <clears throat> if you're not sure if a child understands what you're talking about or a word you're using, define the word, that's all. Define it for them. Tell them what it means. Tell them the, 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 the definition. And uh, that, that'll be good. It'll be helpful to them. Avoid giving more information than a child asks for or needs. Sometimes if we're not careful, we overload children. We give them more than is necessary and needful. Okay, if we start talking about, let's just talk real quickly about the gospel for just a moment. <clears throat> what is the gospel of Jesus Christ? Don't yell it out, please. Give me an element. To, can, can anybody tell me maybe where, uh, give me one element that you must have in order to understand 
that you're, you're, you're you, you, in order to be saved, one thing you need to know to be saved. Give me one thing you need to know. Just raise a hand real quick. One thing, yeah. Okay, so you do have to recognize yourself as a sinner. And that, that kind of goes a little deeper than just, you know, I, you know, I, 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 yeah, I said a bad word today. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Children learn on a very basic scale, but I think it's important that children understand where sin comes from. I think they need to know about Adam and Eve. They, they need to understand that. They need to understand that they're sinners at the root, not just a sinner because they took a cookie out of the cookie jar. I'm not a big fan of, do you believe you're a sinner? Yes. All right, then, move on to the next. I, I don't like, not with adults, not with kids, right? We, remember, it's the same gospel, so we don't have to change what we do. We're going to make sure they understand that sin is inherent. It comes through Adam, right? Right on through. Okay, so, anybody, another one. Something else you, you need to know uh, in order to be uh, a Christian, to be saved, yeah. That, that sin has to be paid for, that's right. And, and so with that, who paid for the sin? Jesus Christ, right? So they, they have to understand that they're sinners and that sin has to be paid for and that Jesus did pay for that sin. That's pretty basic so far, right? What else do they need to do? Anybody? Yeah. Okay, what faith is, okay? All right, let me go ahead. <clears throat> let me ask, poll 10 people in the crowd, what, what is faith? And I want you to stand up and give me the answer of faith, a biblical definition of faith. Some of you are getting nervous probably. No, I don't, that's the problem. There's only a handful of you that will know that. That's not what Mr. Jurgen was talking about. He's not talking about, all right, well, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Let's do, that's not what he's talking about, okay? It's not a matter of understanding the technical aspect. It's understanding that their trust, their dependence, their reliance is all on only one person, Jesus Christ. Okay, and that's, that's something we can share with them pretty simply, really, right? Okay, it's not going to be anybody or anything but Jesus that saves you. Pretty simple. Okay, so, so far, is there anything that's really complicated yet? Not really. And what do they need to understand? What's another thing? Because what's the Bible say the, the gospel is? It's the what? The death and what? And it's faith in the finished work of Christ, right? You say, that's not very complicated. Exactly. But we get very intimidated with children because we're so afraid that we're going to lead them astray. But you know the gospel more than likely. If you're soul certified, you know the gospel. It's a matter now of presenting it carefully and, and very clearly to a youngster it, it, that, that understands why they're there and what their need is. And then it's a matter of sharing how to meet the need, right? It's not that hard. I'm not a real big fan of a child coming out and then them not knowing why they're there and me start telling them why they need to be there and what they need to get saved then. I don't want to do that. It, when a child comes out of a classroom, I want them to understand that there's a need in their life. That's what they've been listening to. Hopefully they've gotten that and they're like, wow, I, I got to get this. I, I, I got to get this settled. I, I know right now that Jesus is holy or I, I was told he's perfect and I'm not. I need to get this settled. I, I got to figure it out. Well, let me tell you a little more about him. 
and I give them the gospel. That's different. But when they come out and they go, oh, I, I, I just, I was really, I just wanted to, I just had to get out, out of that seat. Well, let me tell you what else you need, son. Not quite like that, okay? I may tell them a little bit about the Lord. One day you'll get out of your seat. You'll come out here, I hope. And one day you'll have questions about Jesus and we might be here to talk about that. I'll look forward to that. Before we do, let's pray. Lord, help Johnny to see his need for Jesus in his life early on. Now bless him, give him a wonderful day, help him to have a lot of fun in Sunday school. We're so glad he attends Community Baptist Temple. We love him and we love you in Jesus' name. I send him back. I may take a few moments to share a few things with him, but I don't get into it and I don't try to get him to get saved because he didn't come out with any conviction. He came out just wanting to get out. <laughs> so avoid giving more information than he asked for, she asked for, or than what they need. Give them time to process the information. Don't just keep pushing a child. Be patient. Allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in their life. That's so important. And again, a lot of spiritual conversations, especially between parents and children, they come from questions that children ask. So you'll know that, right, mom and dad, you, you realize that you're like, oh, they just asked me a spiritual question. Oh, wow, that's, oh, that's big. And these questions, most often, they kind of arise when they've witnessed something, well, uh, something spiritual, maybe, maybe they saw someone being baptized, maybe they saw someone get saved, or, or possibly you went to a funeral, or maybe uh, something bad happened in life, and they've been watching, and they see it, and it's like, wow, they got all these questions, and these tragic things may trigger questions, these spiritual things trigger questions, maybe a pet dies, or something like that, and all of a sudden, it seems like they're asking you all these questions, uh, when they ask the question, just answer the question simply. Don't, don't, don't try to exegete the Bible. You know, you don't have to give them six verses. You, you just simply need to let them know. I mean, just be very clear, very simple. Answer the question simply. See if the child has any more questions based on, your, on the answers that they're giving. And let the child, you know, or the answers you gave them, I should say. So they're asking you questions, you're answering them. And then see if there's any other questions that they might have. And kind of guide the conversation through the questions, but don't necessarily push it on them. Don't demand them to, you know, to, don't, don't, don't pile them on. Don't pile it on. And again, it's easy to get excited when a child starts asking spiritual questions because every parent wants their child to be saved as early as possible so they don't have to worry about all that. But it's also tempting to tell them everything about becoming a Christian all at once. And that's not productive either. They need time. Give them time to process information. Give them time to let the Holy Spirit work in their life. Don't, again, keep pushing. Be patient. Let the Holy Spirit do his work in their life. I, I, I watch too many Christian parents get too anxious for their children to be saved. Let me tell you something. You keep them where they belong. God will work in their life. It'll be okay. Just stay at it. Stay faithful yourself. Just keep them under the right influence. It's going to, it, the Lord's going to do some work in their life. Don't, don't worry about it. They're, they're, but they're eight years old. Somebody's got to tell them. Well, the Holy Spirit will work in their life, and when it's time, it'll be obvious. And hold on, I'm going to give you a few things in just a moment to help you understand the process that goes on in a child's mind. And so, 
use the Bible when you get that chance as well. And again, open the Word of God when it comes time to lead them to the Lord or show them truths about God and His Word. It's important that we use the Bible. That's the authority. Have a plan for follow-up after a child makes a decision. You know, ask them some questions along the way. See how their Bible reading is going. See how their, their prayer life is. Things like that. And if they're not your child and say you're a Sunday school teacher, you know, ask them about church attendance. Boy, I tell you what, as a Christian, we don't want to be missing church, guys. And uh, you've been doing real good since you invited Jesus in your heart. Boy, that's wonderful. Let's stay at it because you need church. And how's your prayer life been going? Have you been praying every day? I mean, those are questions you ought to ask children. People act like sometimes, it's funny to me, people want to believe their children are saved, but they don't expect their children to act like Christians. Let me say that one again, because that one got a rousing review. Parents are anxious for their children to become Christians, but when they become Christians, they don't believe they're old enough to act like Christians. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying you've got you, you to gotta be like, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, 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 some kind of um, officer in a concentration camp, you know what I mean? Where you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. And snap to a troop. Uh, that's not what I'm talking about. But there needs to be some accountability there. Listen, you're a Christian, right? If you're a Christian, what's, what do you expect of yourself? What do you believe God expects of you as a Christian? Does he expect you to love his word and to take time in his word? Yeah. Now, listen, uh, a seven-year-old is not going to probably read as much Bible as you will. But I promise you this, if they'll learn to read their Bible early on, they'll be better readers and they'll be more successful in life on top of being more spiritual. It'll help them in every aspect of their life. And they need to learn some spiritual disciplines. Well, they're just kids. Well, then why'd they get saved if they're just kids? Well, they're old enough to get saved, but they're, not, they're, too, they're too young to live the Christian life. I don't go for that. I don't expect them to act like me necessarily 100%, but you know what? We're going to encourage them in the spiritual disciplines. Homeschoolers, you do a very grave disservice if you make the emphasis schooling and not spiritual growth. Make sure you're expecting your children to grow spiritually as well as, as academically. Secular Education is it's desperately needed today. We see so much illiteracy. It's needed. If you're going to communicate the gospel, you must be educated. You must be. If you're going to communicate it through writing or verbal, you must be educated enough to present. So I'm all about it. But let's not neglect the spiritual side. And I don't think that's happening. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just, as a way of encouraging, please don't give up on that. Require, if you require your children to learn their math lesson, require them to read their Bible and learn things about the Bible. That's all. A lot of children doubt their salvation. So again, it's important that we help them. And many times children doubt their salvation because they don't understand how to gauge it. You know, what, you know I, I went out and I did the wrong thing again. I disobeyed my mom and dad, so therefore I must be lost. So here's some four stages, the four stages that children go through. And I'm going to close this out real quick. But number one, curiosity. Early on in a child's life, they're very curious, right? They ask questions. They want facts about the world. They want facts about everything that's around them. 
Mommy, what about this? Daddy, what about this? What about this? And, and what about this? And what about this? And you're like, will you stop asking questions? But they kids ask questions. And those questions are often very general to start with. But they're trying to discover things about themselves. They're trying to understand things about God. They're, they're trying to get a, understand the world they live in. And that's, that's a good thing. But then there comes this concern stage. First, they're very curious about every little thing. Now they become a little concerned. They begin to realize that God impacts their world. And the questions that, it impacts the questions that they have. He impacts the questions that they have about life. And every aspect of their life is, has something to do with God. And God has something to do with that. And those questions are usually triggered, as we said earlier, by some kind of event or tragedy or, or spiritual uh, thing like a baptism or salvation or something like that. So curiosity, then there's concern, and then comes conviction. There must be conviction in a life. It's not enough to simply have the knowledge. You must have, you must have a spiritual, there has to be a drawing, a wooing. A Holy Spirit's got to be doing something in a life in order for him to regenerate that life. Just saying a prayer is not salvation. And so that's not the goal to get our children to say a sinner's prayer. Not at all. It's for them to literally come into contact with God, to meet with God, to experience Him. Children begin to apply their concern uh, for the world around them on a personal level. It gets more personal. It's, and that's when they go from knowing Jesus died on the cross for the sin of the world, this is important, it's in true in an adult's life too, to understanding that He died on the cross for them. There's a big difference. You know how it is. The older children start to accept Christ, and what does every young child want to do? All the little ones want to get saved. Your three-year-old's going, Mommy, I'm going to get saved. And you're like, huh? You don't even know how to say it. But you know what? That's good. It's okay. You're creating a culture. It's all right. But you also have to be discerning. You don't say, okay, well, pray after me. We wouldn't do that, right? Well, that's, that's the same thing when you're dealing with a child out of the classroom. You're trying to discern whether or not there's any kind of spiritual connection right now. Are they understanding that it's personal? Do they realize this isn't just Jesus dying for the world, but is there that feeling that he died for me? And, and you, have to do, you do have to kind of discern some of that to some degree. You have to understand and kind of feel whether or not the Holy Spirit's involved. That's why you and I need to be truly in touch with God as we deal with our children. That's why as a parent it's important. It's why as a teacher and a helper it's important. That's why every bus worker needs to be soul certified. That's why every Sunday school worker needs to be soul certified because every one of them needs to be able to lead children to Christ because they work with them every single week. And they've got to be able to not be so concerned about how to get them to Jesus, but whether or not they're prepared to get there. And when we're thinking too much about, well, let's see here, I'm going to have to have something to help me because I don't really know exactly how to lead them to the Lord. And uh, already, I'm already behind the eight ball. And now I got to, and then you forget about the real problem. Are they prepared? Now it's all about you. Am I prepared? But if you're already prepared, then you can focus on their need. Are they ready? 
is the Holy Spirit working in their life? How are they responding to these open-ended questions? Boy, it's so important. And then comes conversion. The child realizes that it's time to do something with what they know. And they're going to make a choice, just like every adult does. Do you think children have ever said no to the Holy Spirit or to Jesus when he's prompting them? Of course they have. They're going to make a decision. But as we saw from the data, more will come to Christ in the earlier years than they will later years. So, leading a child to Christ. Children are one of our most precious and valuable treasures. We need to ensure that they're given the best opportunity both to find Christ and to grow in Him. And so, and that's why, listen, people are always like, well, why do you make us certify every two years? How come we have to go through that process again? I did that 15 years ago. And you know what? I get it. I do. But hold on. Understand what's at stake here. Souls weigh in the balance. This isn't about you, and it's not about me. It's about them. And we want to make sure that people that we are entrusting into the watch care of those souls are capable and qualified and competent to lead people to the Lord. You know what I found? You know, just the other day, you know what I had to do? This is ridiculous. You and I both know it's stupid. I had to go back down to the BMV. And you know what I had to do? I had to get my eyes checked and answer some dumb questions in order to get my license renewed. That's ridiculous. I did that when I was six, well, I was 18 or, I can't remember when I was done. That's been a long time ago. I mean, why should I have to ever do that again, right? Well, it's because they want to make sure you're still capable, competent, and able to be safe out on the roads and protect not only yourself, but others. And that's the only reason. That's why we do what we do. That's why we ask and require all teachers, helpers in classrooms, bus captains, and workers on buses to be soul certified every year. It all goes back to dealing with our kids. It goes back to being able to handle them competently and capably. So, again, we, we train. We train to educate provide knowledge. We train to empower, promote confidence. We train to equip, to produce success. That's why we do what we do. And we want all things to be done decently in order. So again, I know it's been unusual tonight, but as a parent, I think that this is very practical. I think it's helpful. I think as a teacher or a helper or a bus captain or a bus worker or someone that deals with children consistently, this is super helpful. And I just want to encourage you not to get intimidated, but to remember that the gospel's the same. You don't have to relearn the gospel to lead children to Christ. But you do need to ask the right questions to try to unlock their heart and understand whether or not they are truly seeking the Lord or they have simply got a little bit of an antsy feet and needed to get up and move, you know? And so... That's what we've got. I know it's a little bit different than normal. Maybe you've got a Sunday school child or a bus kid that is holding on, or holding out, I should say, and hasn't come to Christ yet.
But you're seeing God working in their life. You're watching this happen before your very eyes. Maybe you have a child in your home, and they're getting to that point where you can just see it. They're asking those questions. It's gone past curiosity. There's conviction now. Tonight, let's pray for these children tonight. Okay? Maybe you come to pray for something else. But tonight, let's think about those children we're working with. Let's think about our own children even that are in that phase or stage. And let's ask God to graciously lead them to a place of conversion. And he'll do it in his time. And let him know that we'll be there to help when the time comes. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed. Bus captains, workers, Sunday school teachers, helpers, you got somebody on your mind tonight? Tonight, why don't we come and pray for them? Parent, you got a child on your heart, your mind? Why don't you come pray for them tonight? Father, bless this time of invitation. We'll thank you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Let's all stay, remain standing, heads bowed and eyes closed. Just come to the altar. No music tonight. Just come and pray for them. Well, she's coming and play. Go ahead. Would you please, Mrs. Weiser? We're praying for the children.